Hey everyone, this is the discussion that we had with Dr. Dory Carlson this past week. Uh, it's a three-part discussion, so it's chopped up into three segments, so it's easier for you to listen to. Uh, but I thought it was a great discussion that she had. She discusses building the best team that you can possibly build. I came out with it with a ton of ideas, and I, I think you will as well. So um, with that, uh, enjoy. So I'm from North Dakota, and you guys made me feel real at home with the room. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling somebody that my biggest worry today was, like, which coat do I wear? Because I've been wearing my North Face long coat the last few days, and um, my husband just sent me a text and said he went out running, and it was really cold and icky. So, um, But the night, weather outside's nice, so... Um, okay, I just question. So who, everybody's optometrist. I know we have a spouse. So is anybody, is everybody optometrist or anybody not an optometrist? Oh, that's right. And you're at, at which school? I'm so sorry. No, I'm just <laughs> Actually, I love Oklahoma school, but Oklahoma, I've been to every single optometry school except for the one in Worcester, Massachusetts. That's the only one I'm missing, and, and Oklahoma has a great program, so. Um, okay, so who in here has been out of school, we'll say, for um, between zero to ten years? Okay, how about ten or eleven to twenty years? Right? 20 to 30? Okay, anybody with more than that? Okay. We won't say how many. Have I met you before? Maybe. Maybe. So I was trying to, you look really familiar. So I, uh, anyway, um, so I was trying to think like, no, 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 that's okay. I don't want you to be quiet because it's more fun, actually. But um, I, so I was trying to think. I've been here for, I've been to Lincoln a few times because we were part of Williams Consulting Group, but I think I was also at the Nebraska Optometric Association meeting because I really remember visiting with Terry Geist for a while after the meeting. So, and I'm pretty sure that was in Lincoln. So, anyway, I live just right up 29. I realized when afterwards when I was looking at the map that I could have driven here, but it might have taken a little longer than flying, so... Anyway, um, thank you, for, and thank you, Chris, for inviting me. So this is great. Um, so tonight, we want to talk a little bit about creating your highly effective team. That's kind of the goal, and I'm going to try and be aware of the time. Um, I'm taking a three-hour talk, and I'm condensing it down. So if I whip through some things because I realize that I'm kind of falling behind, I already kind of have it in my mind which things I'll maybe kind of glaze over a little bit more, but there's some things that I really want to hit. So hopefully, and here's my goal, is that, because um, we all have goals, right? And it's about having goals. My goal for you tonight is that you will have one take home tonight that you will say, that's it. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna implement this. Because sometimes we can sit here and talk about all kinds of things and you know, there may be some other ideas, but I really want you to have one thing that you go home with, okay? So that's my personal goal for you. So why are we here? You know, if, if I, if I ask people what their biggest issue is with their offices, it's usually staff. And it, it's not so much, it's just staff, it's people. You know, because it's, it's people as patients. You cruise through ODs on Facebook and see the venting that goes on about patients, my gosh. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm smarter. I know not to respond to any of that stuff, right? But, you know, it's about people and about dealing with people. And specifically, you know, when we're talking about team building, it's about dealing with the people that are on our team. Because people have certain um, innate things that they need. And so it's incumbent upon us as leaders of our practices to figure out what it is that people need. And if we figure that out, we can actually make our lives a little bit easier. So hopefully there's some tips about dealing with people here tonight. Um, but why are we late? So we, or why are we here? So we have chronically late employees, right? We have staff that feel that others aren't pulling their weight. Oh my gosh, we just went through this in our office. It was like, finally we just had to have a come to Jesus meeting and say, do you realize how much you guys are complaining about each other lately? Like seriously, everybody's complaining about each other. And you know, we kind of at a staff meeting just said, I, I, we've heard your complaints, I get it, the buck stops here, no more complaints, I want creative ideas. And we went through the whole idea, we had a, a new staff member, and it was just kind of went through the whole big picture of what it was that we were doing, and it was like, I don't want to hear just the complaints. If you come with me to complain, I want some creative ideas about the complaints. And you know what? So far, that's fixed it. So, you know, it's about those chronic complainers. It's about telling your staff multiple times how to do something, and they still don't know how to do something right, right? Nobody has that problem, right? Or you get the same questions over and over again, and over, and over, and over again, and you're just feeling frustrated, and you're like, some days, like, you know, I, when I was on the AOA board, my very last year, I started creating this mental list of the things I wouldn't miss. And, you know, I didn't publish them, of course, and I'm not saying them out loud, but there was a bit, and it grew longer and longer and longer about the things I wouldn't miss when I was off the AOA board. And, um, and I'm start, I actually said it to my staff the other day, you know, I'm thinking I'm starting to create my list of the things I won't miss someday. Insurance companies being one of them, right? Feeling frustrated. And then perhaps you lost an employee and you don't know why. Like, really? That was a really good person and I really don't understand why we lost them. So these are the things that we just want to kind of talk about tonight, okay? And, you know, I'm going to ask some questions, so in, hopefully we've got plenty of time to do that, but I hope I, I want some audience participation as we go along with this. Um, but first, oh, you know, I don't know if you're going to hear this. Maybe. We'll see. I'm not connected to a microphone here, so. Who doesn't love minions, right? <laughs> so I, I have two boys. They're you know, both in college now. So I'm dealing with the empty nester thing. I'm a new empty nester. I'm really kind of deciding if I like it or not. And so I'm, I'm still on the fence. And there's nothing I can do about it, right? 
you're supposed to raise them to leave, but I have a boy that's 22 and I have a, another son that's 19 and um, they came home last weekend and I was sitting watching, I think it was Incredibles 2 or something like that, and they're like looking at me like, Mom, really? And I'm like, yeah, I like these movies, okay? These are my favorite movies. Oh, I know what it was. It was um, How to Tame Your Dragon. Ian walks in and goes, really, Mom? And I'm like, I like these movies. Okay, so why is teamwork important? It's because together, everyone achieves more, right? So teamwork. So it's all about how we work together. So a little bit about um, kind of a serendipitous story that kind of gives you an overlay of why I'm standing here today, okay? Is, so I, I, I kind of joke, and I, I say this seriously, but in kind of joking fashion, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up, okay? So I, I ended up being in leadership of the North Dakota State Optometric Association, and then I found my way, you know, kind of into the volunteer structure for AOA. And then one day in a brave moment, I decided that I was going to run for the AOA board. And that was really kind of an uncomfortable thing about asking for people to vote for me. So, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and kind of realizing that you wanted to do more and do something bigger with optometry. So I served for a decade of my life basically on the op on the American Optometric Association board. And for the two years that I was president and president-elect, I traveled about 178 days for our profession. And I had young kids at the time, too. So, you know, I, I was believing passionately about our profession and such. And then you get done with that. And as much as I created this list of things that I was not going to miss, right? Well, now what? And so for a while, I got asked to be on some industry council, um, key opinion leader, advisory boards. You know, I had some people that I knew that offered me the opportunity to lecture. So I was dipping my toes into lecturing about glaucoma and different things. And, you know, guys, that wasn't my passion. You know, I just kind of was like, well, I'm doing this, and this isn't really something that I'm really super passionate about. So I kept kind of coming back to what is it that energizes me? What do I feel passionate about? And I kept coming back to leadership. And I joke that the mall that I speak to, or that I shop the most in, is the Minneapolis Airport Mall. And um, so I, you know, every time I'd go through there, I'd go through the bookstore and everything, and I would find some other books. And so over the years, I've grabbed a bunch of John Maxwell's books. So John Maxwell started as a pastor. And he realized that he could do far more in life than rather being a pastor. He's very faith-based still. But um, he felt that his mission was to add value to people. And how could he add value to people is that if he trained other people to add value to people. So the, it's the multiplication factor. So if you train somebody else to do what you do, you multiply, right? You tell two friends, you tell two friends, you tell two friends, and that's kind of how it works. So um, John Maxwell has written, I think, 70 books, many different languages. Um, prolific author on leadership, and he started out being leadership for churches. And then he realized all these business people kept showing up for his seminars. And so then he realized there was more of a need, and that's kind of how it happened. So now he leads um, training events twice a year in Orlando, Florida, and how to become a John Maxwell certified team member. So I'm going through my stuff about leadership, right? And I'm, you know, like pouring through this stuff. And you know, I think, I think I'm going to just bite the bullet and I'm going to pay to go to a John Maxwell event and become a certified coach, speaker, trainer, right? And so I'm sitting there having breakfast one day in Orlando, Florida. Pete Kehoe, past president of the AOA. Hey, Dory, can I sit next to you? What the heck? 
So Pete sits down next to me, and I'm like, oh, this is really funny. So we were just kind of laughing about the fact that we both show up at this event in Orlando, right? And then Jeff Hilvosky, who's a vision source administrator, OD from, Maryland, or from Delaware, says, hey, can I join you guys? Like, really? There's three of us here at the same meeting? And, you know, small world of optometry, right? I digress for a moment. When my boys were little, we watched the movie Taken. And so I actually told them, if you ever get in trouble, if anyone ever steals, if anything bad happens to you, go into an optometrist's office and tell them who your parents are. I'm serious. If, you, if my kids walked in and said, my mom and dad are Mark and Dory and they're optometrists in Park River, North Dakota, you would help them. I know you would. So, I mean, we're like this little profession, right? So here's Jeff and Pete and I having breakfast together at this event in Orlando, Florida. And see, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Um, anyway, so we're at this event in Orlando, Florida together. And I'm just going to do a, a shout out for Jeff real quickly because Pete and I wanted to give back to optometry. We were still trying to figure out what we wanted to do when we grew up. And um, Jeff went back and he started a leadership program for high school students. And he has now gotten permission from the school board in his community in Delaware. And he's, I think he's in his third year of doing it. And he's teaching leadership. And he said not to the A students, but to the B and C students. And he's getting things, reviews from his class that are like, my mom is a drug addict, my dad is a drug addict. I never thought I would ever go to college, but now I know I can. I mean, how, is, how cool is that? So every time I talk to Jeff, I'm like, OK, tell me what you're doing. I want to know what you're doing, because he's always got some great stories. But this is what kind of started it. And so Pete and I started developing some courses for Vision Source. And I'm, this is a long segue into where we're going here tonight. But so we've kind of started creating some of these things. And we're talking about team building. Um, we're developing one and about being the better, a better CEO. So we're kind of doing some of these things and doing lead, more leadership stuff for Vision Source. Um, and incidentally, I decided to take the really deep plunge, and I am now in the middle of getting my master's in leadership. So um, I went back to school, and I told my sons that I was dealing with empty nester stuff by going back to school and getting my master's. And my youngest son looked at me and went, why would you do that? Um, and my very first class culminated in a 22-page paper about my philosophy of leadership. Nothing like putting it in black and white, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm taking the deep end because that big leap because this is what I feel passionate about. But big point is that it starts with you. You know, everybody, so I've been leading mastermind groups. Um, mastermind groups are study groups that go through some of John Maxwell's um, books. And I had a mastermind group that I led in with a group of optometrists. There was about 30 optometrists and staff. And um, I had one of the optometrists in our mastermind group talk to me and say, you know, I just wanted to take a leadership class. I just wanted to learn how to be a better leader. I just thought that's all I needed to sign up for. And you started talking about personal growth. And I was like, what? I don't need to grow personally. But the point is, is that it has to start with you. Because if you're not a better leader, if you don't know how you lead, if you don't know how you're projected, if you don't know what you're passionate about, if you don't know how to lead your team, and I believe all of you are leaders. We just develop it differently, and, and we actually take an intentional um, jump to create and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Nurture that leadership capability, because you're all leaders. Just some of us happen to nurture it a little bit more than others do. Nur leadership is about influence. That's it, nothing more. The ability to influence somebody. So if you can influence somebody, you're a leader. If you're a teacher and you influence a student, you're a leader. 
If you influence a patient, you're a leader. If you influence one of your staff members, you're a leader. It's just about developing those skills. So, but it has to start with you. And so you have to know how you come across and what you do first before you can lead anybody else. So you have to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. So let's go into that a little bit. So who are you and who are your team members? Anyone done Myers-Briggs? Do you remember what you were? Okay. Anybody? So does anybody remember what that meant? There's judgmentals in there somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of us did Myers-Briggs at some point in time, you know, maybe in college or whatever it was, but you know, a lot of times, I think there's 16 different personality types that can come out of that. And then it's trying to remember like I, N, F, J, J, E, E, I, E, I, O kind of thing. So, um, you know, but that's one of the things you can do is about understanding yourself and about doing that. And so that's one tool that you can use. There's another tool, and I've not listened to this woman talk before, but Pete has, and Pete and I have done this lecture together. Um, her name is Sally Hogshead. Seriously, her last name is Hogshead. And I guess she spoke at some Essler event that he was at, and she's, she's gotten this whole thing about the fascination factor of who you are, and you take these online tests, and you can, she can tell you what you are. I think um, Pete was like the ringleader. I'm the people's champion. You know, so it's kind of tells you a little bit about how your personality is, right? So that's one thing. There's also disk profiling. And I'm a little bit more familiar with disk, so I'm going to go into that. But there's other, other things out there. But before I go here, has anybody used disk in their office? Has anybody used Myers-Briggs or anything like that in their office? OK, Strength Finder. Strength Finder, okay. Okay, yep, that's another one. Um, there's another one too that I just learned from Lori Sorensen. She was talking about the peace people, and I, I forget what exactly it was, but she had another personality test that was a little bit less formal that she uses with her staff. So there's maybe two or three of you that have done it with staff. Any, I mean, anybody else that's done it with staff? Think about it, guys, um, because so I've done disk analysis probably eight different times, seven, eight times, I've lost track. And um, the very first time that I ever did it, and, and they, incidentally, they all turned out the same. Even though I try to like figure out the questions and I know what they're going after now, you know, after you do it a few times, like, oh, surely this is going to turn out different this time, right? It doesn't. Um, you know, if you're really being honest, it doesn't. So the very first time that I ever went through a disk profile analysis was with Alcon. And it was the American Optometric Association board. We went and we met with Elcon. We spent a few days in Fort Worth and kind of had this meeting with them. And they use disk profiling on all of their employees. And they know everything about how their personality types are. And so in the, the joke of it was, yeah, so right, what do you do? Um, you hang everybody's disk profile up on their cubicle? Well, yes, we do. Like, seriously? So Alcon does this. The other time, another time that I was exposed to this is J&J uses it. And so they all know how to interact with one another based upon their disk profiles. And they've done a lot of studies with 
their industry, but also with our industry. So there's some profiles that actually work better in our offices, and there's some applications. So you can go to discprofile.com. If you've got some hires that you have, you've got narrowed it down to three, and you want to know what kind of personality that person has, wait, let me ask this question. Has anybody interviewed somebody, and then the person that comes to work is nothing like the person you interviewed? I hear the, so it must be right, right? Like, where did you come from? You're not the person I talked to. So, you know, this kind of tells a little bit about personality-wise. And so we've started implementing this in our office. And I tell you, I've been really, really happy with it because there hasn't been that surprise of who came to work the day after we interviewed and hired them, okay? So a little bit about DISC is that um, you have four core personality types. You've got the influencer interactive persons, you know, and so you can kind of see this. These are the more extroverted people. These are the more introverted people. You know, think of the number cruncher introverts. Here's the really dominant persons, most AOA board members, I'll just say, um, which I am not a D. I'm just going to say that too. So, and then you have all these folks, all right? So there's kind of like these four main personalities that you can cut it down to. So I'm going to quickly go through them. So you've got your driver or dominant personality. So this is the person that needs to be in charge and achieve, right? Um, they're very goal-oriented. They no-nonsense approach to results. So you don't want to waste their time because they're very time-sensitive. You want to be organized to the point, get to the bottom line, preferably in writing. That might work the best. Um, and they appeal to a sense of accomplishment. They're goal-oriented. So if you think of a really dominant personality that you know in your life, that's really kind of, you know, really all charge out there. Um, I, and I can think of several people right off the top of my head that are real high Ds. So interesting story. One of the times that I was leading a discussion with this, I had an OD um, raise her hand and she said, oh, we did a disc profile thing as a retreat with our staff, which I would highly recommend doing because it's really, it's fun, it's interesting, entertaining, and Trust me, as a leader, you learn a lot about your people. So um, she said that we had this person in our office that nobody could stand on some days. And they were just ready to get rid of her. She did a pretty good job with her work, but there was just days where they just couldn't tolerate her personality. So they decided to do this disk analysis as a retreat thing. They closed the office for the day, kind of did this staff retreat, did the disk analysis profile, and found out she was the only D in the office. And they never got rid of her. She was the office manager, right? So, and if you think of who has a great D personality fits for an office manager. Um, so she, she was the office manager and she didn't go, but the staff now knows, oh, she's having a really high D today. You know, so just stay away from her today because she's really capital D today. And so this optometrist is talking about the fact that they kind of made a funny out of it, but now they know how to approach her and how to deal with her. And it was just because nobody else was a D and understood how to deal with her, but now they do. So there's kind of these personality things that you just can't change about people. So a great D might be an office manager. And then you have the influencer, friendly, enthusiastic, um, persuasive, charismatic, very optimistic. And then what you don't want to do is, um, what you have to do to adapt to this, I guess, is support their ideas, be social with them, get to know them. They will be your best friend. 
just telling you, you talk to them for a while, they're going to know everything about you. They'll remember stuff about you. You love those blue Ray-Bans, don't you? Oh, I remember that. So a great, great, great eye person in your office is optical, right? So if you're looking at hiring somebody and they've got this really outgoing personality, somebody at the more at the front desk, more in, especially in the optical, they're really good at sales. So, you know, that personality fits because they really get that relationship built with the patient. And, you know, if you kind of think about this, you can think about people that you know. You can kind of peg people after a while. Ah, and then you have the S people. You have the steady people. Um, they're warm, they're nurturing, they're loyal, they really don't like a lot of risk. Um, so what you do with those folks is you earn their trust, you talk about feelings, they want approval, they never back them into a corner. I mean, that's just kind of one of the things that they just don't do. Do you know what most optometrists are? S's. If they do studies with, and there have been studies done, by and large our profession, optometric profession, a lot of us are S's. We take care of people, we nurture people, we do that kind of thing. Other S's in the office make great S's, techs. Techs do a lot of the same thing as, as the optometrists in the office, and so a high S person might be a really good S, or a, a tech. And then last but not least, you've got your compliant person. You know, I look at these as the detailed, analytical numbers people. They are very much the rule followers. You give them a rule, they will follow that rule till they die, you know? So, I mean, it's just kind of, in the, that's just the way they are. Um, so you need to be sensitive, you need to give them the data and the details, and be really systematic with those, okay? Insurance people, okay? So, does it mean that because you've got a C person in the optical, or you've got an S person doing this, or that they're in the wrong bus, you know, wrong seat on the bus? Not necessarily. I have an optical person who is a really super high C, off the chart C, okay? If the lab bill goes up five cents, I know about it. She'll come to me and go, you know, Essler rates their prices. It's five, they charge us five cents more for shipping. You know, so it's like, and you know, I have other people that are optical folks. I never hear anything about the lab bills with them. But this person who is a really high C, I love it because I know exactly that we're always on target, that there's no surprises because if there's something being charged more, Stacy comes to me Monday morning and tells me about it. So where we've used it in our offices, we've had, um, we've narrowed it down to like two, three people kind of, and then we've had them do the disk profile, costs us 60 bucks. And we get mail, emailed the, the profile or have access to the profile, you can print it out. Some of them are rather lengthy, some of them actually say, um, you know, they kind of joke that you can do it with your spouses, too, because, you know, this is what not to say, this is what not to do, this is not how not to approach a subject if you want to bring it up. Um, so there's all kinds of applications with it, but the point being is that it kind of helps you when you're interviewing people and trying to figure out what you're hiring for so that you don't have that surprise when later on they come in the office and you go, is this the person I interviewed? So, I mean, I, I really would highly recommend looking at these. They're not, you don't have to do DISC, but I just know most about DISC. And I, I figured that if Alcon and J&J &J use DISC, that speaks a lot for the system and for the program. So, 
Yeah. It's common to have a couple. I mean, so it's really common to have a couple. You'll have one that's typically stronger than the other, but it's common to have a couple, and then you'll have two that are just not you at all. Um, but at least you kind of know the trends. I mean, with anyway, we're we're person, we're human beings. There's no black and white. Everything's gray, right? But at least you kind of have an idea of what their go-to um, behavior is if they were in a place of stress or whatever. This is the behavior that they're going to go to the most. No. Well, this totally applies to patients. So we had J and J come in and do. A, so we had J and J come into our office because I went to a women's women's thing where they did it with us. Okay, so it was probably the seventh time I did it, and um, and I, incidentally, my profile always turns out about the same. Um, but. J&J &J did it with us because they have trainers and facilitators that are doing that. And I'm really seriously thinking about going and doing that because I have access to that. Um, but they went through the whole thing about how, I, how to identify patients. You know, if you're in the optical specifically or in the exam room with somebody, there's some people that want to know the science and they want to know the exact milligrams of how many omega-3s that they need to have. And, you know, you've all had those conversations and they're just like the really you know, people that need to know all those details, right? And then there's the folks who are like, I don't care, I don't want to go get my omega-3s anywhere else, you just show me the bottle and I'll buy it. You know, there, there's those folks. And, you know, I'm just picking on omega-3s at the moment because it popped in my head, but with, with all this stuff, whatever kind of frames it is, whatever we're recommending for lenses um, or prescribing for lenses, you know, so it's all those things. And you can start to peg patients. If you start learning enough about the system, you can all of a sudden start to realize, oh, he's a C. He needs to know all the details. Or a D, you know? So you can kind of, it, it applies absolutely to patients if you delve into it. Then there's another one called Five Voices. This guy did the Myers-Briggs stuff a lot and had the 16 different personality types. He distilled it down into five, so this is just another option that you can have. I'm not as familiar with this one, but I have found this one. Um, and so in this one, his point is that he thinks that you should have all of those voices in your office so that the representation of the different voices show up in your office. That way you don't have everybody all of the same personality type. And so these are just some of the other things that are out there. I was in facilitating one of these. Somebody had talked to me about an attitude meters that they had done. Um, like I said, there's other things that you can do. I just happen to be most familiar with DISC, okay? And then there's emotional intelligence. So has anyone ever done EQ types of things? Instead of IQ, EQ, emotional intelligence? Well, all this stuff that I was talking about beforehand, you can't change. That's somebody's personality. That's their go-to behavior. Emotional intelligence, you can change. You can learn how to be more socially aware. You can learn to develop relationships. You can learn how to manage yourself. 
I know how I come across sometimes, so sometimes I have to temper it back and, you know, just kind of think, all right, take it down a notch, Dory. You know, you're a little over the top today. So, but that's just my personality. But I know that how sometimes I come across. So emotional intelligence is about just kind of knowing how you present to other people. You can change that and you can meter it. You can monitor it and, and be more adaptable with it. Um, and the big thing is, so there's a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. If you're wondering about this, you buy the book, and at the beginning of the book, they give you a code to take the analysis or the um, quiz that they have for it, okay? And you get that free of charge because you bought the book. Then you go ahead and figure out what your analysis is, what maybe you're not as good at, go ahead, read the chapters, kind of learn about the self-awareness part of it, and then go back later and do the assessment later on. So you can actually do the assessment twice by purchasing the book. So if you're curious about something like that, the book was, I don't know, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. Um, doesn't cost a lot of money, but it kind of raises your self-awareness. So it's about you. I know that there's some offices that have done this with their staff, because um, sometimes staff members don't realize how they come across to patients or how they come across to each other. So sometimes these are ideas for retreats or staff retreats that you can do, you know, just kind of something that might be a little kind of off topic for your, different from your run-of-the-mill normal everyday practices.